Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate. Now I saw God in a convertible With a yellow bandana on his head He had a long white beard And man, he acted weird Cause he remembered what the angels said Then I saw God on an aeroplane It struck me funny cause I thought he could fly You know I thought he had wings and halos and things And a little dove that told us why So I asked him, what's the problem? And he made this remark People only pray when life gets hard Then they blame it all on God God Now I saw God in a movie He didn't speak cause he had no lines And since he didn't talk, I watched the way he walked and his footsteps echoed mine. Then I saw God in a baby, you know those little things that cry. Well, it looked up at me, but all I could see was an old man trying to hide. So I asked him, could he tell me how come so many false starts? And he said, people wait till their worlds fall apart. Then they blame it all on God God Yeah Fairy tale, like a shelter from the rain for people who need miracles and love to just complain. Cause I saw God in the mirror and He looked me in the eye, but I combed my hair and walked away. Again, I passed him by. Cause that day I felt happy and the pain was not that sharp. We all seem to think we're all so smart We sit and watch our world just fall apart People only pray when life gets hard Then we blame it all on And welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast. That was God by Carl Alaco. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you both doing? Hey, everyone. You know, this is episode 123. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Hello. So I'd say, listening to that song, um, 
was driving home from work one day, and I uh, saw this guy in an old like Cadillac convertible, like a Coupe de Ville convertible, beat up, and he had a long white beard and this yellow bandana on his head. I go, look at that nut over there. It looks like God, like you know, some maniac God. So I literally went home. And I, and I sat down and wrote this song, one of probably the only songs I wrote in 10 minutes. That word from like thought to complete, completion was 10 minutes, right? And it's nice. uh, one of those few ones that just came to me and I loved it. And the funny thing I realized about listening to that song too, the person who writes my songs is a lot more evolved than the person who sings my songs, you know? Because <laughs> like I listened to that song go, and this was 30 years ago, I was like, or t 35 years ago, you know, I was a young guy. And I'm going, it's just now I'm kind of evolving to that, I wish I was as evolved as the guy who writes my songs. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the, the uh, separation of uh, mind and uh, body, right? And Wait, because it's not me. I always said that songwriter, like, I heard Dylan say the same kind of thing where Dylan, like, was asking Dylan about the songwriting. And he goes, you know, I don't write those songs. They just come through me. You know, and, right. and that's me. Like, you know, my greatest stuff just comes through me. I'm just the editor. Or, or, or the, or, You're the or like, vessel. Or the assistant me. who just writes it down. <laughs> Write this down. Okay. That's all I am. Uh, you know, it's usually when I get involved and try to start fixing it or editing it is when I ruin it. You know, it's like, you know, so basically just get out of the way. You've recorded that several times. Is That that wasn't the uh, gray yeah, that, sessions, that was the, was That was it? the gray version with, uh, really? with Pat Buchanan on guitar. I didn't remember it being that live sounding. There's a lot of room in, the, in that recording. You know, the vocal yeah, it was just me on the acoustic guitar doing the finger picking yep. stuff. And then mm -hmm. he did the... Um, you know that the lead and i know scott stuff. put some strings back no no that not having strings that's just ebo guitar really i thought those were strings in the back nah, that was hmm. ebo guitar like you know that ebo that well i was there that day i probably was not paying attention right yeah you were probably out in the parking lot smoking your pipe <laughs> smoking cigarettes <laughs> no that's when you had your pipe remember or my pipe back in the day right <laughs> uh oh you can't start that's too early to say that man <laughs> it's too early god <laughs> I, the thing i like about the song is that i have had varying opinions of it and the speaker in it throughout my years of listening to it so i've recently read a book which i which has had a really big impact on me and the author talks about the refuges that we create and that we seek out from the suffering that is this uh life on uh the mortal coil and it's like so i'm thinking to myself hearing that when we're doing this podcast people do use god as a refuge and it's not always productive for them to do so and so when you talk about in the song about turning away from the very thing you find a refuge is pretty interesting to me the point of the song i think like i saw god in the mirror but that day i wasn't feeling that bad about it so you know i didn't need him exactly so, so i don't need the refuge today but i'll need it tomorrow yeah right? but, but, know, but, so. but i'm in the foxhole or i or i get the, or, or i get the cancer diagnosis yeah you know, uh oh god where are you that's you know, great but, great saying no no such thing as an atheist in the foxhole right right right, right. so um yeah. anyway another um i guess another kind of big music passing right David Crosby this week. I have mixed views about David David Crosby again. Well, you know, supposedly he was like a colossal uh, uh, 
dick? Is that the term? Well, I remember, like you know, you know, for one, from what I hear about him, he was pretty much a connector. Like you know, one thing, one thing I got to give him. You know, I always talk about the Laurel Canyon late sixties, early seventies days. Right, 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 right. He was like the the leader of that. Like Godfather, he basically discovered yeah, Joan, no Joni Mitchell. He used to connect. He put together CSNY. You know, he brought Elton he was John financing there. people. Out yeah, he there, was yeah. like he was big yeah. in that because he kind of came from money. I heard he kind of came yep. from a upscale family. He wasn't a poor, right. you know, struggling guy. So, right. but as far as his music, like they threw him out of the birds. You know, he he wasn't really really integral in any of those songs the big ones that he didn't i think he wrote eight miles co-wrote eight miles high with roger mcguinn and then as far as csny you know he you know guinevere you know i think it was all uh, about the harmony almost cut my hair i never liked his songs i thought he was the yeah. least i think stephen stills and graham nash even neil young had better songs for me yeah he was he was big in the harmony you know yeah. as far as he had that kind of knack Putting that together, they say they could he could arrange like no right. other, you know. But one thing I did hear, like, and I, because just again, take this with a grain of salt, people, because I don't know the guy. This is just from my own, like, you know, few videos I've seen of him, a few interviews. He was an arrogant asshole, you know. He, <laughs> he just, you know, he had so much to say about everything and the new generation. He thought he was like God's gift, and, and the, I'm sorry, he was this balding fat guy he wasn't well even you like- know he his he kind of was uh in later years he kind of became like kind of a full-blown uh drug addict yo he yeah. was yeah it was it was crazy and so I read, I you know it bios. doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me somebody with those tendencies or somebody that's the way their brain works doesn't surprise me that they would be characterized as an asshole because you know, active people in active addiction are always yeah, but that's not true. Way even, selfish. Even the way last, tw- even the last fifteen years, where he was was all straightened out, and he was more becoming the elder now. And uh, yeah. but still, Graham Nash won't talk to him anymore. You know, they, they <laughs> really they, right. they they ended that yeah. friendship for good. You know, CSNY. Well, creative was over- people. I mean, they can. I mean, it's really odd. I mean, they can be. They could be so focused in serving uh, what it oh, is that they that's do. That's baloney. I don't buy that's baloney. They're I abusive. I, I, P- creative people can be abusive. That's, you know what? I hate all like, you know, the, the concessions. Like, no, you can be an artist and you can still be a human being. I'm sorry. They don't like, you know, are mutually exclusive. You know, like John Lennon, oh, he was an asshole, but he was a genius. Baloney. Steve Jobs was, you, you know, I, I read the book Steve Jobs about how he was kind of an asshole, right? And right. Like, I mean, a lot of folks. Steve yeah. Wozniak, the, the guy who actually built a computer, you know, back yeah. said, you know what? Steve was pretty much of a genius, but he could have been nicer about it. That, that's, that's, what, that's what, <laughs> well, that's there's, what there's he said. Kind of a narcissism associated with, I guess, being called a genius or, or, or seeing things differently. You know, uh, and all these people do. That, that's what they have in common. They see the world differently. So if you see the world differently, you're likely going to get crossways with some of the rules and regulations and some of the values that people hold. I don't, right? I don't believe that. Uh, no. Yeah. There are still really? social interaction. No. It seems they, so obvious to me. I, I'm creative. I, I think I'm as creative as can be, and I think out of the box as much as I can. And I've done, you know, I, I have a different kind of mindset on so much, but still, I can work within the confines of the world, you know, and, and you, don't be mean, you don't be mean to people. You, li- you can live by the golden rules. 
Speaking of assholes, this pissed me off now. You know the way everyone's selling their, um, everyone's like selling catalogs. Their, their catalogs? Oh, yeah. You know who yeah, just sold yeah. this catalog for $200 million? Yeah, 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 yeah. Name one song. Justin Bieber. What? <laughs> Justin Bieber. Like $200 million. For what? I can't even Name think of Name one song. I feel like he hasn't had the longevity of career to even have the right to like sell his catalog. Like, well, I can't even name a song. Maybe I, I, <laughs> um, it's I can't so name one song. Baby. You could probably name two or three because you've been more... Baby, you know, Yummy, and that's yeah. about it. Like, and aren't they yeah. all co-writes too with a million different rappers? And they probably, probably. are with the, producers. Well, I mean, Usher was the one that found him and they have probably yeah. a bunch of co-writes and stuff. So yeah. I don't get it. I can't... I, and I also don't get, you know, you don't get control just because you got, you know, a third of the song, just because you purchased I mean, it. I guess, does that also, like, I guess with Justin Bieber, with him selling it for $200 million or whatnot to Hypnosis is what the company's called or something like that. Yeah, um, with a G. Yeah. yeah. I guess that begs the question for maybe people who are listening who don't understand, though, if he creates new music, that's still a part of his catalog or does now it's a whole new catalog? My assumption would be that that's just his old stuff and and his new stuff is his going forward. That would be my assumption. What people are paying is just insanity. That's what that's that's the whole thing in a nutshell. I'm paying an insane amount of money with no real promise of future earnings. So what is so, the possible payoff? So what are they so so they own Springsteen's catalog now. So where's the possible payoff? Ads or just because they can't needle drop the stuff. It's just they got the publishing rights. Right. Uh yeah, they're going to make the licensing happen as it will. No, I think I think the ultimate payoff is the idea that we own and control it all. So when the media companies that are responsible for 99% of the performances, when they come calling wanting to purchase these catalogs instead of licensing them, uh, I think that's the, that's the end game. So it's kind of like collecting art, art collectors. Yeah, so I sell, you know, if, if I have the pipeline and I'm tired of paying you on an annual basis, why don't I just say, let me just buy this from you so I don't have to pay you anymore. I'll pay you one more time and I will own it and control it after that. So I think they're going to they're going to wait until media becomes so centralized that there's one big payday and then they're going to sell all these catalogs into the people that are creating the performances. That's what I think. Or, or it could just be a, a loss. They could just take a loss in all this stuff. Yeah, that's true too. It's like a big shell game. It's like I loaned you a billion dollars and you went and purchased all this stuff. It amounted to being worthless. Uh, well, I lost a billion dollars, but I've got 10 more over here that I have access to. And my house yeah. in, in the Bahamas is paid for. I don't know. So what, what bone did you have to pick there, uh, Nicole? Um, it's, well, it's something we've talked about before, but it was recently brought to my mind because I drive Kenzie to school every day and I listen to the radio sometimes. And for the last four days that I drove her, every single song is either like a 90s throwback that an artist redid or like a 2000s throwback that an artist kind of put their own take on. And to me, it annoys the crap out of me because one, 
this was the original song not good enough and two are they not creative enough anymore to write their own original stuff so that it just it bugs me that like i know everything's retro right now but like taking a song and i can't honestly even remember the songs that i was listening to but they were either like completely redone from the 90s or completely remixed from the 2000s and it just annoys me for an artist standpoint, that's a career move. I know perfect example. That's been going on forever. You know, the Beatles remade, you know, Twist and Shout. You know, Hole and Oates built their career on remaking You've Lost That Loving Feeling. That's how they re brought their career back in, in the late 70s, early 80s, you know? So they've been remaking songs always. I don't think that's but anything those are new. The, but that's just covering the songs. I mean, I think what, I think there's a, another level, another layer here, and that is that hip hop is so much prevalent and so much in control of popular music that they've discovered that you can put the familiarity in something new by using the old track, sampling, and then putting it inside a, a hip-hop infrastructure, is that what you're talking about? And that's what that's what's going on. Yeah. Oh, is that yeah. what you're talking about? That's Nicole? exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, yeah. oh that. Yeah. Well, they've been doing that too since the '80s. You know, like you know. Exactly. They've been Vanilla, doing that. For Vanilla 40 Ice years. did that with boom, 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 boom. You know, like right. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, pressure, pressure. Well, yeah, it's to get that familiarity. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and so that, yeah, I mean, radio has always worked on familiarity. That's why radio um lost a lot of market share over the course of the last 30 or 40 years is because they don't their advertisers don't want to take the time to build an audience on something that isn't familiar to somebody so they don't play a lot of new music they play, play music that's 20 years old they wrap it up in a in a new hip hop bow and i guess that's where my rant came from because like for me maybe i'm just a music snob now having done 123 episodes with you guys but like i want something new so like if i'm listening to the radio and i'm hearing either the same songs over again or songs that i could have listened to 20 years ago but they're redone and they're not great why am i listening to the radio nowadays so this is a bigger bigger question i think what's going on listen to me getting all philosophical now um i think the problem, I think it's kind of refreshing we're talking music for a change. The <laughs> problem is the problem is I think is that people are afraid to be creative because there's only so many slots and, and discovery is so weird that when they do have a kind of a an avenue to to release stuff, they gotta make sure it's gonna hit, gonna happen. They don't want to get lost in in the shuffle because there's so much out there. I've had a new thought, a new thought about myself before we get to our you know, our artist, featured artist. You know, I'm sick of being you know, the old guy who keeps, you know, the ball gets in the yard and he won't give it back. You know, <laughs> you know what? The young people, it's their world. Who am I to tell them it's, it's, it shouldn't be the way ours was? You know, like, you know, I had mine. We had our 60s, our 70s, you know. This is your thing now. If this is what you want to do with it, fine. Who am I to say it's bad or it, it's just not what I had. It's all. So I'm, I've, I've changed my mind. It's like, it's yours. All the power to you. And maybe, you know, I hope it works for you. That's it. Well, I think the world kind of revolves that way. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, I need only watch some, some contemporary uh, live television program or even the promotion of it to see that I don't know 90% of these people. So somewhere along the line, I kind of became an old person, you know? I oh, mean, yeah. Like, well, you know, too, get, you know? getting back to the real quick, getting back to yeah. about um, the remake stuff. 
songs I get, but these remake movies, man, that was well, what, there you go. That's what kills me. Like now, I heard that that Chatham Tatum. Did I say his name? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. He wants to remake Ghost. What? <laughs> like, like why? Stop. Like you know, the movie was what it was with with Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore it was cool. Leave it alone. Like remake. Well, I mean that that tracks that tracks with your proposition that there's not a lot of creativity out there because i mean that's what hollywood does it's like ah let's let's do another pinocchio (laughs) or like 30 years to the date let's release the new top gun like yeah well at least that was a different movie did anyone see the the remake of west side story i heard was it good i did not watch it (laughs) you know what i'm saying like you know so they're gonna gonna remake sound of music with with, you know with like you know but the thing is if like you almost can't remake it nowadays because of how technologically advanced we've become like they you see like you can't there's no way the new casablanca with the the rock with the rock exactly it's it's just it's so preposterous (laughs) it's really preposterous so anyway, uh, who who are we featuring today? So, let's let's listen to some music. We are featuring an awesome artist named Bree Jackson. But before we hear her single with you, we'll hear a little bit about her management company, which is Publicity Nation PR. This episode features an artist from Publicity Nation PR. Publicity Nation PR is a music, entertainment, and lifestyle public relations and artist development agency based in Nashville, Tennessee. They are an industry leader in music and entertainment publicity, artist development, branding, and commercial projects for artists, entertainers, entrepreneurs, and social influencers. Their drive, dedication, and exemplary work ethic leads the way to their client success. For more information, go to publicitynation.com. Again, that is publicitynation.com. When the day seems darker than the night When it feels like you can't do nothing right When the hurt becomes too much Yeah, it happens to the best of us Just know that you'll never be alone Cause I'll be
She reminds me of um, yeah. her voice. Reminds a little bit of Martina McBride. Yeah, I hear a little Shania voice. Twain or kind of iconic song, right? Yeah, very cool. Big song. It, that song reminded me of. Uh, we were just recently talking about just just a minute ago, talking about remakes of movies, but. Um, Barbara Streisand and uh, Chris Christopherson had that amazing, iconic version of a remake, actually. It was a remake. It was called A Star is Born. Yeah, it was a a third remake. And that song, when I heard that song, I I think that song would have been perfect for Streisand in in Star is Born. That that soundtrack, I absolutely love. It's uh, very steeped in the 70s. there's a song called With One More Look at You, which is just extraordinary. So that's what that brought that back for me. They did remake A Star yeah, is Born with yeah, Lady Gaga. All, yeah, yeah. I, I avoided that like the but plague. But The Star is Born but, with which, with Christopherson and Streisand was a remake, that's a remake from of, uh, Frederick March Ju- Judy, uh, Judy Garland, right? So yeah, it's a third but, remake. So, But the second one, I think, is the pivotal movie. I mean, maybe I could be wrong. A little bit of a trivia. Yeah. Supposedly, instead of Christopherson, they, they wanted Elvis. But Tom Parker wouldn't let Elvis do it because, you know, he didn't want... <laughs> that's really weird. I never heard he that. He didn't want him to play like a, a washed-up singer. So he thought that would, that would be bad press. <laughs> that's very interesting. Uh, Elvis wanted to do it. What, what do you think? I think it could have been cool because he really wanted to do some really dramatic roles, but... I think Christopherson was pretty badass. Oh, he was it, great. But, he was uh, great, but... Because he played it so calmly it, and it could have been like, nice kind of though under to the see radar. A, like the range of elvis though if that makes sense like to see how maybe he took it on oh i you know i mean people laugh at me they've laughed at me for years i mean my favorite part of elvis on the planet is those stupid movies right. i love those movies right. i think he could act right uh there's yeah, a couple of elvis right. movies that are real that one right. with uh, King Creole exactly. with Walter Matthau. Early day, early days. I, yeah, I mean, those are. Good I would love movies. to see Elvis, like you know, you know, with Scorsese, and see what he can bring out of him. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it could, <laughs> it, it could be great. Anyway, so exactly. we spoke with Bree. Did we not? We did. Bree answered our questions of the week. Okay. So the first question we asked Bree is to tell us a little bit about herself. Hi guys, my name is Bree Jackson. I am a national recording artist and the deputy commander for cyberspace operations here for the Texas Air National Guard. I am currently deployed to the Texas-Mexican border, which is where I got my inspiration for my latest song called With You. I started out my journey you know as a child in musicals and plays and and went on to a performing arts high school where we went and competed around the nation Um, and then shortly after high school i joined the military and have kind of been traveling the world with them ever since and then in 2018 i decided to you know come back to my dream come back to my passion And I released my first single called Kryptonite. And I've just been pushing ever since. And so now I've released about six or seven singles. And my EP will finally be dropping the beginning to middle of next year, which I'm so excited about. And yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. She also had something to say about her song, With You. So my latest song, With You, was written actually for my children. I've been deployed now for over a year. And as you can imagine, you know, it's it's hard on them and it's hard on me, but 
they're just so young and they handle it so well. But sometimes they just need a little extra love and a little extra message that, you know, even if I can't be there physically, like I am still with you no matter what. I'm a phone call away. I am a FaceTime away. And so when I sat down and wrote this song, you know, my daughter had just called and she was crying and just wanted me to be there so bad, which broke my heart. And so I wrote this and I said, you know, I I wrote you a song and whenever you're sad, you know, I want you to put this on. I want you to hear my voice and know that I'm with you. And so I just wanted to be able to share this with everybody so that the other people that have to be away from their family, especially during the holidays and times like this, whether it be for military or for some other job or, or for whatever the circumstances was, you know, they could send this to their loved one and just let them know that they are still with them and kind of give them that little piece of comfort that I'm able to give my children now that I've written this song for them. Nice. Wow. I know. Really, you know, it's great. Really I just realized something too. Again, this is me being all positive today. But what I realized is that how great it must be. Like, you know, technology, I think, has been the ruination of a lot of society. But there are a lot of positives. And one of them is that no matter where you are in the world and no matter what time you can interact facially with FaceTime or Zoom and like, I didn't have that as a kid. Yeah, I think that's true. My grandparents are far away. If I didn't see them, they were in Florida. That was it. You never saw them. Now you can see them every day if you want. How's grandma? Let's talk to her. You know, it's like, so that's, that's kind of one of the amazing things about technology, don't you think? Excellent. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yep, yep. I agree too. I mean, that's how we, like I survived my husband's Yeah, exactly, exactly. That, like, even if it wasn't every day, whenever you he got the see chance him, to hey, FaceTime, like, right. I could see him. Great. Yeah, and even even since then, I mean, the technology's gotten so much better in terms of like quality and, and uh, reception and stuff like that, so. Anyway, what else did we ask Bree? So we asked Bree, what music artists have inspired your career so far? So I guess, you know, like any other... 30 year old, you know, we grew up listening to Christina Aguilera and Shania Twain and Martina McBride. And they were huge inspirations to me, you know, growing up musically. And now I look at artists, you know, Carrie Underwood and Adele. um, And I just am in all of them. I think they are rock stars. They crush it. And so when I'm looking for kind of inspiration, when I am building out a song or if I'm looking at something musically, I really sometimes go back and listen to their music and see what I can draw from them and how I can take what they have done and kind of twist it into something of my own. And I think as I go forward, you know, I see a lot more female country artists, which is amazing to me. You know, you have Carly Pierce, you have Kelsey Ballerini, um, Lauren Elena. I love all of them. And I think they're all very inspirational. I love Lindsay L. You know, she's just a badass on the guitar. And, you know, I definitely aspire to have some of those skills. I will never get to her level, but definitely practicing as much as I can. But I just think it's awesome to see so many females in music and especially country music. And I definitely look up to all of them um, when I'm creating my own music. I like this girl. I yeah, actually, man. Yeah. Really... Well, at the second she said Carrie Underwood, <laughs> I could just hear Carrie Underwood singing her song. Yeah. Like, and she mentioned Martina, which you mentioned right, with the voice register, you know. And no, I, 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 so. just the way she talks, she sounds like a a nice person. So good for her. 
So there is an interesting fact, considering she has said that there are a lot more female artists, especially in the country music industry right now. And lo and behold, this week was the first week that there were three country music artists in the top 10 Billboard charts. And that has not happened since apparently 2020. So just saying, she's right. The country radio audience is primarily female. So there's always been this idea that you can't have too many female singers because... um, Right subconsciously they feel as if it's demographics you know, the listeners feel as if they're in competition with them that's stupid well but that's what radio thinks anyway. so we asked her our one last new question so if there is one service in the music industry that is not here right now for independent music artists what would it be so i think right now you know indie music in general doesn't have a very good platform to showcase their music i think it it's actually really detrimental to the music industry that there isn't something more affordable, to be honest, and more realistic for independent artists to come and showcase their music, whether it be broadcasted shows or award shows or some kind of showcasing that we can kind of go out and and demonstrate our skills and our music as well. And unfortunately, you know, now if you're not part of a huge major label, it's very hard to get your music heard or get your music seen. And I think that's such a failure and something that we need to look at and work on in the music industry. Well, again, the number one thing, like we talk about discovery, like, you know, there's no, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no, she's talking about, there's no Ed Sullivan show anymore. There's no like indie music awards that's broadcast on like a national TV show too that people can just watch from their home. But it's, it's so. just because it's polluted. Because the one good thing about technology, anybody can get the music out there now. But the thing is, there's so mm-hmm. much of it out there now. How do you wade through it to find anyone? You know, so that's what she's talking about. Nobody really wants to be identified as indie. I mean, we'll do it internally, but. To the fan base, you don't want people to say, oh, you're an independent artist and they're real artists over here at Universal. You know, so I, I think that people need to recognize that 30% of the charts, 30% of the top streaming, 30% of radio airplay is coming from independent artists. Right. So if you can't be discovered on, you know, the number one radio station in Los Angeles, you got an issue. <laughs> uh, right. So... You know, so uh, we need to think for independent artists. uh, We need to think for them in regard to what do we do about this discovery? Because that is where it's at. That's what that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. On that note, Mr. Greg. Yep. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to you all later. 